Amen. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Friendship Church. We are in week number two. Uh, we're talking about the atonement, and this is in a series that we call Solid Ground. We do this two or three times a year where we take a basic doctrine of, of Christianity and we take a deep dive into it. What does it mean? Uh, so that we, uh, the, the application for us is that we know that we are standing on a solid ground of Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, it's a solid ground that we stand on. This belief that we have in God is not the same belief as, say, Santa Claus. We believe because it is a solid ground that we stand on. And so uh, we go through some different basic doctrines. And so today is part two of talking about the atonement. I will say, if you missed last week, uh, I would encourage you at some point this week to go back and watch it. You can go to our website or our YouTube channel. You can download our app, and you can listen to it like a podcast. But really, this is, this is one big giant sermon in part one and part two. And so here we are in part two here today. Let's uh, bring everybody back up to speed very briefly, just so that we know what we're talking about. The, the title of the doctrine is Penal Substitutionary Atonement. And what that means is uh, penal means penalty. That there is a penalty because of the sin that you and I did. Raise your hand if you ever sinned before in your life. Go ahead. Let's just, okay, raise your hand. I'm waiting for every hand to go up, okay? <laughs> okay, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, okay? And because of that sin, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. When he was in the garden, he said, if you eat of this tree... You will surely die. He didn't say, I will kill you. He said, you will die. What does that mean? If you sin, you have chosen a path that leads. The destination is death. If we get in our car and drive that way, we're going to hit Houston no matter what. Like, that's where we're going, okay? Uh, and so the destination, our default destination, because we were born into humanity, is a spiritual death and hell. You don't hear about hell a lot these days, but there you go. That's, uh, that is the destination. And so there is a penalty for our sin. So we're like, okay, well, how do I get out of this? Is there another path? Surely there's another path to go. There is another path to go, but we can't get off this path because we are unholy as we stand before a holy God. So we need a substitute, something that is holy. If we were to die in our own place, we would die without our sins covered up, and so then we would also die a spiritual death. But if there was something or someone holy that would die in our place to cover up our sins, now we are not on this path that leads to, to death and uh, uh, hell, but instead we are on this path that now leads to relationship with God. Glory, hallelujah, okay? So we need a substitute, okay? The wages of sin is death. Something has to die. It's either me or a substitute. In the Old Testament, it was a spotless lamb or ram or bull. In the New Testament, what we're going to talk about today, that is Jesus Christ. And then finally, atonement, penal substitutionary atonement, is what you make up for, something that you make up to bring the relationship back together. And guys, if you've ever done something wrong, said something that you shouldn't have said to your wife, and so to make up for that bad thing, you buy her chocolates or you take her out to dinner or whatever else or whatever to mend the relationship, okay? So you do something to atone for the bad thing to, make, to have a right relationship, right? Okay, um, anyway, you do something bad, you atone for it, you make up for it to mend the relationship. Um, 
So when, when Jesus Christ, when there's a sacrifice, when he died on the cross for our sins, that atoned for the bad thing to bring us in right relationship with God. All right? So that's, uh, and we, we looked at the Old Testament and how they dealt with that, sacrifices, uh, that the sacrifice had to happen. Jesus had not yet come. So God, not in his wanting to be mean to those people in the Old Testament, you have to wash your hands right and you have to da-da-da-da. He wasn't being mean to them. In fact, it was in his grace and in his mercy and in his love that he provided a way for everyone who lived in the Old Testament to get on this path to right relationship with God by providing these sacrifices because Jesus had not yet come. So it's, it's all motivated by his love. And so that's what we're going to look at here today. We looked at the Old Testament yesterday, or last week, and so we're looking at the New Testament here today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, of course, they're going to be on the, on the screen for you as well. I'll read Hebrews 9 in a second. I want to read one verse in Leviticus first, though. Um, and this verse seemingly is going to be nothing about nothing. <laughs> have you ever read something in the New Testament, and you go, or in the Old Testament, and you go, why in the world is that even in there? It, it doesn't seem like, why would God have it that way? That doesn't make any sense to me. Most of the time, it is fulfilled in the New Testament later. Uh, and so, But on its own, it seems odd, at least. And this might be one of those things that seem odd. Um, but it absolutely comes to fruition later. So... Uh, Moses, this is Leviticus chapter 10, verse 6. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar. So Aaron is the high priest at the time, and his sons, they didn't do so well. But um, they're the high priest, and the high priest is the one that administers the sacrifice. Okay, that's the high priest. He goes in once a year, the Day of Atonement. And so there's, there's certain things that the high priests were supposed to do, certain things that they were absolutely not supposed to do. And this is one of those verses. Moses said to Aaron, do not show grief by leaving your hair uncombed or by tearing your clothes. If you do, you will die, and the Lord's anger will strike the whole community of Israel. However, the rest of the Israelites, your relatives, may mourn because of the Lord's fiery destruction of Nadab and Abihu. So he tells the high priest, and you see this in the Old Testament, mostly in the Old Testament, someone to show grief, they will tear their clothes. Maybe they have a, a family member that passes away or they lose a big battle and they tear their clothes as a signature of mourning. What God is saying here is that the high priest, you're not allowed to do that. Everybody else in Israel, you can do that, but you can't do that as a high priest. Now, keep that in the back of your mind and we'll come back to that here in just a minute, okay? Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. So first couple of verses, he's talking about uh, what they had to do in the temple, or in the, in, well, yeah, in the temple, but in the, uh, the Holy of Holies and all of this. So we're going to start in verse 5. Above the ark uh, were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover, the atonement cover, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. I'm doing what the Hebrews author said. He's like, all that's good stuff, but I can't talk about that right now. Let's talk about this. <laughs> When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. So there were many priests, and they had their responsibilities that they had to do with the, the incense and the whatever. So they had their own responsibilities. Verse 7, but only the high priest 
entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. So the high priest was kind of the representative or the mediator between God and God's people. So whenever um, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and and have do the sacrifice, he was going to God on behalf of the people. So he's kind of the mediator there. And then as the whole as the as the high priest was just walking throughout his day doing his his normal duties throughout the year, he was the representative of God to the people. And this was down to even the things that he wore. So he wore like an undergarment that was white, that would signify God's purity. He wore a blue thing on the outside that represented the sky, that reminded uh, the Israelites that God was above them, looking out for them. Uh, he had purple in his sash, which represented royalty. There was like all these things that, that the high priest was supposed to wear. And every time the Israelites would look at the high priest, they would see a representative of God in just the colors and the things that he wore. Um, And so this high priest was the perfect representation of the people to God and of God to to the people. Okay, And so he had to do these things, and the Holy Spirit was showing how to get to the most high place because God wanted to have a relationship with us. And even if it was just once a year, we could experience that relationship. This is in the Old Testament still. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations implying until the time of the new order. What does that mean? They were offered not to clear the conscience. So these um, sacrifices that were made were made to cover up past sins, but couldn't really do anything about the heart of the matter the things that um, drove us to do the sin in the first place. The sacrifices covered it, but they had to do it every year because every year we kept sinning, the Israelites kept sinning, and that thing inside of them that pushed them towards sin was, was still there. It had not been broken yet. Verse 11, But when Christ came as high priest, everybody say high priest, But when I gotta wake y'all up. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal. Redemption. So there is eternal sin done against an eternal God that can only be erased by an eternal sacrifice. Okay? So this sin is not just jaywalking. This is a sin done against an eternal God. And so he did not come and sacrifice a bull, Jesus as the high priest. He didn't sacrifice a goat. He sacrificed himself for us, for you, for everyone who's ever lived. 
He sacrificed for us his own blood. And so therefore, it starts to it breaks that not just the sins that we did, but it keeps us and, and holds us accountable to being holy for the sins that we might do in the future. And we can actually say no to those things. That's coming up. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, deity, divine, a God, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, Everybody say that with me. Offered himself. Say it again. Offered himself, unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. He offered himself. We are very careful to say that the Romans did not murder Jesus. No one did not take Jesus' life. Jesus gave his life. And that is so important, okay, which is coming up, but that's so important. Jesus was not murdered. It's not like he was, you know, dragged, kicking and screaming to the cross. What did he say in the garden? He says, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. It was God's will for him to give himself up sacrificially. So he offered himself unblemished. That means he lived a whole life without sinning. Cleanses us from the consciences from acts that lead to death. It's not, not even the acts, the things that we even think about, our motives. What are we actually going to do? So even before the actual actions come, what's going on in this brain of ours? What's going on in the, in the heart of us? So while the sacrifices of the Old Testament covered kind of the outside, made us outside clean, what Jesus is going to do is come and clean the inside of us, which is exactly what we want. Yes, we want forgiveness for sins we have committed, but I want to be clean and pure and holy on the inside so that I don't sin again. Did you know you don't have to sin this week? Like, that's not written anywhere. You don't have to. Um, and so he comes and he cleans us on the inside. Next verse. Okay. For this reason... Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. It says that Christ is the mediator. All right, I'm going to say something and some of y'all are not going to be ready for this. So get ready. You do not need to go to a priest to get yourself absolved of sins because Christ is the mediator. It used to be that the high priest would make the sacrifice. He was the mediator between God and people. But that is no longer necessary. If there is sin that you want to, be, to get taken care of, you go straight to Jesus. There is not a human being that you have to go to. Okay? There's not, another, there's not a priest that you have to go to that absolves you of your sins. Jesus did that. 
Now, if you want to come and talk to me as a pastor, hey, I'm struggling with this sin, or I made this mistake, and I, I want to do this better, or whatever, absolutely, come to me. Let's talk about it. That's, that's part of what I'm here for. I want to help you grow in the Lord. Um, let's talk and let's pray afterwards. Let's meet during the week. Hey, let's, let's talk about it. I want to help you out. But if you're coming to me to absolve you of your sins, you're coming to the wrong person. I can't do that. There's not a human alive that can do that. Why? Because Christ is the mediator between us and God. You go straight to Jesus Christ. Woo! Come on. I await your email. (laughs) All right. In the case of a will, okay, this is going to help us out. This helps us out. The next uh, couple of verses here will help us out because sometimes the question when it comes to the atonement is why doesn't God just forgive us? I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week. But, like, he's God. Just forgive us. Like, why can't he just forgive us? This next couple of verses will help us out with that, okay? Verse 16. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when someone has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. So why doesn't he just forgive us? Why does it have to be blood? That's just crazy. Well, we, even if we have drawn up a will or not, we sort of understand it, okay? There's the, the, the patriarch of the house has this, and when he dies, then he's able to pass down what he has to his children. So I'm going to give this child the house, and this child the business, and then this child... Gets the pack of rubber bands in my desk. I don't know. Whatever you want to give. <laughs> whatever you want to give to your people, okay? I don't, it doesn't matter. Now, all of those things, like, it's, it's theirs, but it's not theirs. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's theirs, but it's not theirs until this person dies. Then it's left to them. Does that make sense? So there has to be death for them to legally be able to receive what is already theirs. Next verse, 19. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branch of hyssop, sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. So in the Old Testament, this is what he did. There was all this ceremony and he did this. Verse 21. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything... Be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no sacrifice. There is no forgiveness. I'm sorry. There is no forgiveness. So we receive this forgiveness, like it's ours, but it's not ours yet. We receive this forgiveness once the person who gives the forgiveness has died. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, forgiveness is now available to everyone. Glory, hallelujah. So it's not just forgiveness of things that you have done. It's for everyone, for all eternity, you have forgiveness. You get it because Jesus died. It's not just God could just snap his fingers and it's just gone. The wages of sin is death. A penalty had to be paid. Death punctured the perfection that God had created. So there's a penalty that has to be paid 
Christ died, shed his blood. There is life in the blood, Leviticus chapter 17. The life is in the blood. And so once he shed his blood, that forgiveness that was out there, a carrot dangling in front of us, once he died, then we received this inheritance of forgiveness, eternity with him one day in heaven, all of these things. And it was when he died. Thank you, Jesus. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. The sacrifice or the... the, uh, one who took our place in the Old Testament was a bull, goat, ram, lamb. But now it is Jesus Christ takes the sacrifice, gave himself. His life was not taken from him. He gave himself so that now we can have forgiveness. And now he, he stands as the mediator between us and God. And how crazy is that? that and it says this in Romans as well, that he intercedes for us. He's praying to God for us. Thank you, Jesus. So he's doing, he's doing all of this for us. And this is, by the way, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not like he's doing this because we're a bunch of swell people. No, we sinned. We're the ones that brought the penalty in the first place. And he loved us so much that he did this for us. Anytime people want to talk about how God's not a loving God or the things, you know, all of his actions, it doesn't come from a place of grace and mercy. They just haven't read the scriptures. They, they don't know. They haven't understood it. Everything he did, he did it so that we could get off of this path that leads to spiritual death, to get onto this path to have a right relationship with God, to completely atone. Oh, man. Almost done, sort of. Verse 25. Okay, this is going to help us. Okay, so listen up, listen up for this. Because sometimes we fall into this trap of, yes, Jesus died for us, but sometimes we still want to make up for the bad things that we did. This verse is going to help us, okay? Verse 25, Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once, everybody say once, once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Goodness gracious. He didn't, he didn't go like the high priest every year. i got to roll back out because they, commit, they kept committing sins. So we got to cover up those sins. One time he made the atonement. The atonement is he made up for the bad things we did. He made up for it by dying on the cross, which brings us into a right relationship with God. He did it once. We don't have to do it again. So here is sometimes the trap that we fall into. We commit a sin. We do something and we can't believe we did it. It's so out of character for us. And we commit this sin. We, we have 
a sexual thought or, or, or even explore some sexual things. And we're like, I can't believe I did that. Um, or any number of things. We gossip about people. I can't believe I said that. I was rude to this person. I, oh, that's not me. Why was I rude to them? We do something and we begin to feel bad. Now, you should feel some guilt because you sinned. But sometimes we feel so bad for actions that we've done, we try to kind of make up for it a little bit. And so we'll say, I'm going to read my Bible even more this week. You know, like I normally read one chapter a night, I'm going to read two because I feel bad for what I did. You know, or, you know, I'm going to be extra nice to somebody. I'm going to, I'm going to say three nice things to somebody tomorrow, you know, because I was rude a couple days ago. I need to kind of make up for that. Or you're like, you know, maybe I'll just give a little bit more in the offering. I'm going to throw in another hundred bucks in the offering. I just feel bad. I just need to do something. Now, you may never hear another pastor say this, so get ready. <laughs> okay. If you are putting money in the offering to make up for a sin you did, you need to stop doing that. That does not work. We don't want your money if that's what you're doing. We want to see souls saved. We don't want your money. We want to see people grow in the Lord, okay? And so sometimes we feel like I did this thing. I need to do something. No, Christ did it one time. Christ did it. There's nothing else that we have to do. There's sometimes we'll, like, there was a chunk of our life that we were away from the Lord. And so we feel bad about it. And so then we spend the next several years just doing stuff. Just all the time. I'm going to run myself ragged because I feel bad for the times that I wasn't doing things for the Lord. So now I'm just going to do, 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 do for the Lord all the time and just run myself crazy. Listen, if you want to read your Bible more, great. If, 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 you, want to, if you want to be kinder to people, great. If you want to give more in the offering, great. If you want to do a lot of things for the Lord, great. But you don't do that to make up for your sin. Christ did that. We've got to throw that out of our head. Okay? On, on a, it's at least unnecessary and it's at most dangerous. Because now you're leaning on your righteousness and the good things you do to make up for your sin. Christ did it. You don't have to do it anymore. You cannot hang that over your head. Now I have to do, I did one bad thing, now I've got to do something else to make up for it. We cannot do that. It does not work that way. Christ may, paid the sacrifice for us once, 2,000 years ago. It's over. The forgiveness is already available. He's not holding on to forgiveness until you read one more chapter in your Bible. No, it's already there. It's already there for us. So what do you do when you sin? God, I sinned. This is what I did. I am sorry, and I help me to turn the other direction. That's called repenting. That's what you do. And then you move on, and you let the Holy Spirit continue to help you say no to the selfish attitude in these things. But there's nothing else that you do to earn this salvation. Christ already did it. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. We all face judgment. It just depends on if we're, if we're offering our, our own blood or Christ's blood, like on the Passover. Okay? 
Just as people were destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Church, are you waiting for him? We are waiting for him. So there is a penalty that had to be paid. Jesus steps in. He gives himself on the altar. He offers himself as our high priest. You're like, when did that happen? What are we talking about that he's a high priest? I know he's God and he's like a lot of things. He's healer, he's whatever. High priest, like there already was high priest. How were there high priests? I want to show you the exact moment that he became our high priest forever, okay? Mark chapter 14. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus is standing before the Sanhedrin. And he's standing before the high priest whose name is Caiaphas. Now, so Aaron was up here, and then son, 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 all the way down, Caiaphas. So Caiaphas is, uh, is the high priest. He's the one that's supposed to administer the sacrifice there at the Passover that, that day. Okay, So he's standing before the Sanhedrin. It's right before he's going to be crucified. He was just in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's brought up. Everybody's saying, he did this, he did this. No, he didn't do this, all of this. Verse 60, then the high priest, Caiaphas, stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? That is a point-blank question. Are you the one that we are waiting for? Are you the one that that the whole Old Testament has been culminating to for the one that's going to bring us salvation? Verse 62, I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. So Jesus says, I am the Son of Man who, who Daniel prophesied was going to happen. Then he says, I will sit at the right hand. Well, in Jewish theology, no one sits next to God. It's God. It's Yahweh. No one sits. And now he's saying, I'm going to sit at the right hand of God. This is blasphemy. And so what does the high priest do? Verse 63, the high priest tore his clothes. Why do you need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He did what? He tore his clothes. Once he tears his clothes to mourn, everyone in that room knows exactly what he just did. Because they know the law, they know Leviticus. You as the high priest are not allowed to rip your clothes. In that moment, he forfeits the right to be the high priest. Caiaphas is no longer the high priest. Well, now we need a high priest. Somebody has to make the sacrifice. The the high priest is the representative, the mediator of God to the people. Who are we going to find on earth that is a representative of God to the people? Anybody? Jesus Christ. He is the perfect representation because he is God. So in one fell swoop, symbolically, the Levitical priesthood is gone and Jesus becomes our new high priest forever in one motion. Jesus Christ not only is the sacrifice for our sins, he's the high priest that administers the sacrifice. He gave the sacrifice, which was himself. 
which he was legally able to do as the high priest, the representative of God. Hebrews chapter 4, this is so great. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He lived on this earth, he did not sin. So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every one of us have a time of need because we are on a road for a penalty, which is a spiritual death. But Jesus' sacrifice, not only was he the lamb that was the sacrifice, that his blood was shed, he was actually the high priest that administered the sacrifice for us. That's so great. And so because he did that, we are now on a path to be in right relationship with God. And because of his death, that forgiveness kicks in, and we are now forgiven. Can someone say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Can we stand this morning? Stand this morning. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to say thank you. What a high priest we have. Can you just lift your hands, begin to talk to the Lord for a moment? God, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. God, you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of praise. Lord, the perfect atonement. You made up for our sin and you bring us into right relationship with God because you sacrificially gave your blood for us. God, thank you. Thank you. We are off of that path. Those of us who accept Jesus in their heart, we are off of that path that leads to spiritual death and hell. And we are on this path. We are in the family of God. We are in the kingdom of God. And God, we say thank you, Lord. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you simply just want to give your heart to the Lord, I want to meet with you down here and, and pray with you. This is so big because we're trying, many times we try to do it on our own. We try to make up for past sins or as long as I do more than good than bad, I should be good. No, it is only because of Christ's blood. We can't administer the sacrifice. We're not the high priest. And we can't be the sacrifice because we are unholy. Only Christ could do it. Only Christ could do it. And so as we go into a song that we're going to sing, good old song that we love. As we go into this song that we'll be singing, I, I, I want to stand here at the front. And if you want to give your heart to the Lord, maybe just to make sure, to rededicate whatever. You want to give your heart to the Lord. Make sure that you are on that right path. I would love to pray with you. But everyone else, let's worship the Lord this morning. Let's lift him up in praise and sing this song. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Talk to him for a moment. In your own words, thank him for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. God, you're worthy of praise. Come on, church, let's talk to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we are so thankful for the blood of Jesus. Without it, there is no way to a right relationship with God. There's no way. We can't do it on our own. Lord, we needed your sacrifice. God, we say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're worthy of praise, Lord. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. That's how we're going to end this morning. I'm going to read just a couple of more verses. It's not on the screen. Y'all can listen to this. And then we're going to pray and then we'll dismiss. <clears throat> this is in Hebrews chapter 10. So this is, this is after this. we read almost all of Hebrews 9. So once we have understood all of that, the first word I'm going to read is therefore. So it's kind of all of this that we know that we talked about today. He's a sacrifice. He's the high priest. Hebrews 10, 19 says, therefore, the sermon that I just preached, therefore. So now do this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Knowing this, this word of God, this should spur us to draw closer to God and to spur each other and encourage each other in closeness to God until the day that he returns approaches. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for this day. What a day. What a day to remember what you did for us. God, we love you. God, we praise you. Lord, now, now that we are, now that we know this word, therefore, let us walk boldly into your presence. Boldly. We don't have to have a high priest go in there for us once a year. We can walk in boldly into the presence of God. We can draw near to you and we can help others and encourage others to draw near to you as well as we await your day where you come back. Help us, Lord, as we leave this place. Help us, Lord, to draw closer and closer to you because of what you did for us on the cross. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.